MKs in the occult. It's a delicate topic, one that can elicit some pretty strong responses, and I'm taking a deep breath today and delving into it because of the number of conversations I've had with MKs who have expressed the fear that there may be spiritual warfare going on inside and around them. They're eager, sometimes desperate, to know more about a subject that is sadly still too taboo. This is not a prescriptive episode. I did a fair amount of research before sitting down to record today, hoping to be able to bring you a condensed theology of the occult, but the views of experts in this field are so diverse, complex, and intensely held that I realized I'd be doing you and me a disservice by trying to integrate so many perspectives into a brief article and podcast episode. Perhaps equally importantly, I didn't want to fall into the trap of presenting myself as the ultimate authority on such a complicated and sometimes obscure topic. So, consider this a conversation opener, a context in which to consider what exposure you or your children might have had to the occult, and an invitation to further personal study on this crucial and too often overlooked subject. Whether you are an MK or you love MKs, my prayer is that hearing the first-hand stories included here will inspire you to pay attention, learn, discern, and develop tools to counteract whatever destructive forces are infiltrating our lives. I'll link some reading in the episode notes, and I'd love for you, too, to contribute whatever resources you've found that have been helpful, as well as any personal stories you feel comfortable sharing. For now, though, here is Demons in Their Suitcases, MKs and the Occult. A good number of missionaries' kids have been exposed to something occultic at some point in their overseas lives. The screaming voices that follow a knock on the door in the middle of the night, the chanting of satanic rituals taking place just down the road, the deeply superstitious beliefs and fears of otherwise enlightened societies, the atrocities committed to appease vindictive gods, all within eyesight and earshot of young souls— all with the potential to dig deep into their subconsciouses and anchor there with dark fears and profound disquiet. Some MKs seem able to brush off their encounters with the occult and go about their lives and faith as if they never happened. Others appear to carry those encounters inside them, finding their faith, their emotional stability, their relational abilities, and even their mental health weakened or entrapped by the unseen forces of their past. Though their lives have been steeped in the spiritual, they feel resourceless in their battle, afraid to utter their suspicions and unable to help themselves. Some of them are plagued by unexplainable terrors, nightmares, and physical ailments. Others feel inextricably bound to events of the past, and they find it impossible to engage fully in the present. Yet others find themselves sabotaging every good thing in their lives, harming others and themselves, or prone to irrational fury they can't control. Granted, we can't pin every challenge we face on the dark powers that might stalk families serving in ministry. We live on a fallen planet where facing hard things is inevitable. 
But we can't ignore the potential impact of occultic encounters on the spirits and minds of children either. Let me give you some examples. Andrew, I've changed his name, recalled being woken suddenly one night by an unexplained feeling. Everyone else was asleep. As he lay there in the dark, in a primitive village where his parents had just begun to teach the Bible, his eyes were drawn to one of the rafters above him. There, perched like an animal but shaped like a human, was the outline of something he could only describe as a demon. It was pitch black in the house, but he could see the creature perfectly, because its darkness was so much stronger than the shadows in the room. He felt in his marrow that the presence was saying, This is my domain. You have no place here. Another MK, Brett, lived in Bali, Indonesia, and she was warned to be careful of anything she might buy that could have demonic attachments. But when she got back to Texas, she began to have disturbing dreams about demonic presences, and she became tormented by a teasing spirit. It would turn the lights on or off in the house around her and open doors she had just closed. She and her parents eventually identified a wooden puppet purchased in Bali as a possible source of the disturbances. After they burned it, the nightmares and spiritual activity instantly stopped. Another MK I'll call Jenny went on a six-week mission trip to a remote part of Africa when she was 17, and she met a witch doctor there whose powers were said to be strong enough to force his subjects to kill their own parents. She described her encounter with him as looking into the face of evil. When Jenny returned to the States, she found herself crippled by months of severe depression and an overwhelming desire to end her own life. Her nights were plagued with vivid dreams in which evil, in multiple forms, assaulted her. Even in the relatively safe context of Condern, Germany, where I taught at an MK school for 20 years, some of my former students witnessed witchcraft taking place in firelit rituals in the woods after dark and watched the local population faithfully observing fashing, a cultural celebration of immoral behavior that ends with a symbolic casting of demons into the sky. Now that I've moved to an American suburb known for its influential Christian college, with churches on every corner and spiritual symbolism everywhere, I've learned from a respected colleague who specializes in the occult that he has witnessed the kind of demonic activity here that we would normally expect from far less reached places. Just how deeply can believers be affected by contact with the occult? Well, the debate rages on. Some believe we can only be oppressed, not possessed, and others find theological basis for claiming both are possible. Whichever it is, it is clear that Christians can be acutely affected by the Prince of Darkness. They can be lied to, manipulated, teased, and tormented, and so can MKs. The oppression process will look different depending on the strategy a particular spirit employs and the weakness it senses in its victim. It may lure us with lies, entice us so deeply into sin that we can't see our way back out, then blast us with paralyzing guilt. It may tempt us with objects, like Brett's wooden puppet, that are imbued with dark powers. 
It may blind us to the crafty manipulation that takes over our ability to resist impulses, robs us of health and sanity, or alienates us from all that is good and satisfying. It may cause unbearable emotional turmoil, perversions of the mind, physical ailments, and irrational, violent reactions. In order to make discernment even more difficult, evil will often bind itself to other human conditions and remain undetected as the source of the affliction. Please hear me. This is my greatest fear in tackling this topic. I am not saying that those human conditions are demonic in themselves. Mental illness, medical issues, and other challenges are typically just that, and they need to be addressed with the best resources and methods available to us. By labeling every difficult event or physical ailment in our lives as a spiritual attack, we risk cheapening and trivializing the dangerous reality of true spiritual warfare. So, I would exhort us to be careful about over-applying direct satanic involvement to every challenge we face, thus fueling undue fear in impressionable children. It may be more productive, instead, to try to instill in them a sober understanding that unseen forces are real and can sometimes conspire against us, and further, that we are not helpless in combating them. With that clarified, I think it's safe to say that in some cases, perhaps even in rare cases, evil may piggyback on existing conditions to find an access point. It may use mental illness as a disguise to sow destruction. It may discover a natural impulse like sexual desire and balloon that into something inescapable and damaging. It may find fertile soil in unbridled ambition, anger, or pride. Whatever the vulnerability or weakness we expose, a pernicious form of evil will seek some way to exploit it. But it's too insidious to identify itself to us with, say, a pitchfork and horns. Raising children in ministry without addressing spiritual warfare is like taking them on a motocross course without instructions and protective gear. The stature and purpose of Christian missionaries in foreign lands make their families an obvious strategic target for the forces of evil, and good Christian kids are not out of their reach. We need to be proactive in protecting children growing up on spiritual battlefields. What can be done? Well, I'd like to address both the MKs of all ages who suspect they might have been impacted by the occult, as well as parents currently raising children in spiritually fraught places. First, to the MKs listening, if you suspect that exposure to the occult might have left you with some lasting attachments, may I suggest these three areas of exploration to you? They are by no means comprehensive, but they're a good place to start. I encourage you to click on the link to the article which I've posted in the show notes to see these in writing, as simply hearing them might feel overwhelming. Question number one, how can MKs discern whether they're being oppressed? 
If you're dealing with unusual visions, a spirit-level sense of oppression, irresistible destructive urges, unexplainable ailments, or overwhelming mental and emotional anguish that can't be resolved by normal means, pray for clear discernment. Then write down a history of the exposure you've had to evil, witchcraft, or any kind of occultic entertainment like Ouija boards and media depicting demons and satanic rituals. Note the time frame in which that exposure happened and see if it coincides with the onset of your oppression. Then seek the counsel of someone who is truly versed in the reality of spiritual warfare. Question number two, what can MKs do if they believe they're being oppressed? Well, there is power in the name of Jesus. Claim it, say it, yell it, pray it, declare it, and surround yourself with others who will do so on your behalf. Then learn, read or listen to all you can from trustworthy sources, and again find wise and qualified counsel. Do not wade into this alone. You'll need the guidance of someone whose faith and expertise you trust, who has experience with the occult, and will commit to helping you. You might also dispose of anything that still links you to those dark spirits you've identified. And renounce habits that weaken your resistance and avoid contexts in which you feel a dangerous or dark presence. Most importantly, invest yourself in a discipleship journey toward a deeper faith. And the third question is, what disciplines can make MKs less vulnerable to the forces of evil? First, fill yourself daily with scripture and truth. Intentionally and repeatedly put on the armor of God in a conscious way. Confess sin and claim forgiveness. Live your life as a disciple, constantly seeking to learn and deepening your faith. Renounce habits that weaken your resistance, like lack of sleep or excessive activity, substance abuse, occultic media. Trust your spiritual gut and flee anything that feels hinky. That's a deeply theological term for you. And finally, seek counsel and support the moment you feel exposed or under attack. Again, this is not something that can be tackled alone without further making ourselves vulnerable to the forces that seek to destroy us. And for parents of MKs who are concerned about the influence of the occult and spiritual warfare on your children, here are a handful of suggestions for you to consider. Though there is no prescription for this kind of combat, you'll find that these suggestions have similar themes to what I just offered the MKs. Number one, educate yourself about the power and strategies of the forces of evil. Ask people you trust for the resources they'd recommend. Then read, listen, research. Ignorance on this topic is not bliss, as the saying goes. It's dangerous. Number two, give your children the vocabulary they need to discuss the demonic or satanic things they witness and provide open communication channels for them to speak of it. Number three, let them know that they have weapons to counteract attacks and engage them in practices that refine those weapons. Number four, 
Instill in your children soul-preserving disciplines like confession, forgiveness, prayer, and spiritual discipleship. Help strengthen the weaknesses the devil might exploit as entrance points. And finally, be prepared to remove your children from harm's way if the place where you are serving is spiritually toxic to them. I know nobody wants to hear that, but some children will be more susceptible than others when faced with the occult, so don't assume that because one child did well, another will too. Some children will simply need to be taken out of danger's way. I realize that we've just scratched the surface of this topic in this episode. All I can do is plead with you to do your own research, maybe starting with the articles, books, and podcasts I've compiled in the show notes. They address the topic from different traditions and perspectives, some of which we may not all agree with. But I think there's a richness to studying across denominational and geographic barriers, especially when it comes to topics like this one. And I can't end today without affirming the truth of Romans 8, 38, and 39, a truth that soothes the fear that so often accompanies conversations like this one. The text is this, For I am convinced that neither death nor life Neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Jesus Christ our Lord. Thank you so much, friends, for taking the time to listen in today. My prayer as I release this episode into the world is that all of us in missionary and MK communities and beyond will deepen our understanding of the reality of the occult in order to recognize it when we see it and defend ourselves and our families against its powers. Make sure you check the episode notes for links to the resources I've mentioned, as well as a link to the article this episode is based on, and you can share both from there. And please leave a comment anywhere the podcast and article are posted, my website, social media, or the platform you're listening on right now. This is a conversation, and I want to hear from you. As I wrap up this recording today, I want you to know that I celebrate the purple you are or the purple you love. Thank you for listening. <music>